right now. It is very native, but I am seeing a kind of shift towards the more high production. And so I almost wonder if maybe even six months, a year from now, we'll be talking that we kind of are getting into this high production level video again, and it'll kind of make full circle (laughs) because it did start with it just kind of blended in. But now that's becoming a little less genuine because I think everyone knows now it's okay. This person was paid to say what they're saying, but everyone's okay with that. There's still that level of being genuine, even though we know that they were paid to say this. This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. Hello and welcome to the Customer Acquisition Show. I am your host, Tom Meredith, VP of Marketing and Innovation here at Tier 11. Today I'm joined by Daniel, our marketing content lead, and Rachel, our, one of our art directors at Tier 11. But really, this is the OG creative team from Tier 11. Like We go back, Daniel and I are five years. Rachel, how long have you been here? It's seven <laughs> or eight years. I lost count. <laughs> A long time. Yeah, back to simpler times when we just had this giant Trello board full of requests and we were just <laughs> crank through them with no process. Glory days. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Fun shifts from different different software and programs. And never yeah. really liking pains. any of them because we all have creative and brains. Funny. <laughs> yeah. Trello, Asana, Jira now. Just yeah. all the same process good cool so how's everybody doing yeah doing good how about you good yeah daniel good yeah working on my for those of you that can't see tom is growing out a mustache (laughs) and he's got a hawaiian shirt on right now so he's got a magnum pi vibe for sure it's my my, it's my uh, creative brain like often thinking like what should my branding be for something like this and like, how do i do this and so I'm, I'm currently leaning into the hawaiian shirts which i have done for quite a while like there was a time period where for every onboarding call i would wear the same hawaiian shirt like a good like baseball that. <laughs> you just went to hawaii recently right yeah we went to yeah. maui over spring break you still got, you still got that nice like yeah. hawaiian well, glow incredible. about you too You're not gonna let that tan go away yeah. No, it's perfect coming into summer here in LA, like pools ready. Yeah. <laughs> Except we had tornadoes in weather. LA yesterday. Wow. Did it? And it's like, you guys good? Did you guys Daniel's panic? Like, Are you guys okay? How, how was it? What did you guys end up doing? Can I critique you on your <laughs> emergency response? Oh, I didn't even know so about it until after You might as fact. well live in Oklahoma then. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty, we have a pretty yeah. extensive like air raid siren system. I don't know if any Seems of them work. not useful. <laughs> Is that what they would use for no, a tornado? I've never heard one, but they're all... I don't know. I would yeah, imagine. Don't know what else uh, Like a use. tsunami or a tornado. Yeah. Yeah. It goes all the way back to World yeah. War II when we had so much like aircraft. I'm glad you guys survived. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I guess going back to like the onboarding shirt and like things that are like, repetitive for creatives, I think that's one thing that creative t- people tend to do is have their processes that they fall into to get back into the creative mindset. What are some of the things that you guys have been doing lately to always get back into the creative process? I utilize a lot of just inspiration. Like I find a lot of 
different resources to get inspired. So whether that's like Behance or Facebook ads library, Pinterest is a huge one to go get inspiration. I watch a lot of Adobe's live streams. Those always get me really motivated. Recently, I've been using Effortlessly. That's a website that has a lot of different ads. Like you can filter it by ad types and things like that. So I just kind of like to see what other people are doing. And then it gets me kind of into the mindset. Do you have a physical process? You're like, I've got to get my computer set up a certain way. I go for a walk, get my coffee. <laughs> no, <laughs> it depends on what I'm doing. I would like to say yes, but I'm not a very like, a very organized, like as far as like my desktop is very organized. But when it comes to the creative process, it's just maybe certain yeah. types of music. We've talked about that a lot before, different music to get you in different minds. I'm just amazed you could see your desktop. No. <laughs> I, for sure, I for sure can't. <sighs> Yeah. Oh, I need to. I have nothing on my desktop. <laughs> yeah, I've got piles of books and coffee. <laughs> no, I do keep everything pretty clean. I have my essential oils for different like mood boosting at the lemon zest to get me into a more active mindset. So far more than stuff. I do. Nice. I think for me, I've <laughs> found myself in a bunch of Facebook groups. I was telling Rachel about this before the, before we started this live stream of different creative groups where basically the goal of everybody being in there is they just post stuff they've made and ask for feedback. So it's always interesting getting in those types of groups where people are sharing their work. And even if I'm not commenting, which I rarely do, and I rarely share in there, it's interesting to see people's feedback and then go back and look up at whatever was shared like oh yeah i could see that and start to then think about the reasoning why somebody might do something so that's been a good source for me lately but aside from that it's just i think for what we've been doing tom in marketing it's thinking through what looks native to a platform so a lot of it's been like just scrolling just just seeing what things look like on any given platform and then thinking like okay well how can i do this where it's not off-brand How can I do it where it feels like it's trendy? It's not going to stand out too much, but it's not going to not stand out and going through that, just through that native lens. Which has been a really interesting Mm -hmm. process because that's more for organic social, less less paid social like ads, which is a big change for, I think, both of us. Like, how do we, (laughs) we just want to put money behind everything, but how do we like do this in an organic way where we engage people and feel native? And I think we'll talk about that in a little bit. Because we have a section about captions, which is the most like esoteric creative thing to talk about. Yes, it is. Yeah. All right. So Rachel, since you're the one on the front lines, like what's working now with creative? So lately we've been doing a lot with UGC. So it's funny, like you guys are talking about working on the organic side and finding things that are native. That's actually what's been working on the paid side as well. It's such a shift from a couple years ago when we were wanting things with like bright, bold, like as much motion and like in your face as possible. But now like you want it to blend in as much as possible. All these ads on TikTok and everything, like it, it looks like something that someone just posted and that's what's working. But within that, like the different editing styles is like quick jump cuts and like really like in your face things that grab your attention. Just really like the things that you see, especially on TikTok, I would say just like those quick edits. That's definitely what's been working lately. And something like you guys can appreciate this going back to when Facebook had the 20% text rule. 
which was horrible. (laughs) Actually, the text-heavy images, that's been working a lot lately. So that's been kind of an interesting thing to see is like the more text, the better, which you wouldn't even run. They would have been like when you say text heavy, like how text heavy percentage wise. Nope. Yeah. Like the whole thing, Dang. like 80, 80 plus percent. Yeah. <laughs> Do you mean lots of words or big words? Both. So like we just ran a carousel ad that had like long, like, at least two sentence testimonials. And that was the whole image and like the whole carousel app was just that and it's been performing well. Yeah. And so that's been something that's unexpected that's been working. The UGC is not too unexpected seeing how the just social media platforms have been, but the text heavy has definitely been something that's I wouldn't have guessed. I think, do you think people are, I don't know, like gravitating towards those native looking ads because there's, like so much frustration around getting served ads. Maybe. Yeah. Just like the disdain against advertising and things. So I think just seeing it a little more native and I think it does just naturally blend into your feed. So it's not disruptive. Mm-hmm. It's not like someone just popping in your face and having an infomercial. <laughs> it, you get to flow through your feed and it doesn't really disrupt it. Just halfway through the video, you'd be like, oh, this is actually an ad, not just someone who's an influencer talking yeah, that they that, like this That's an interesting product, thought. We so. were talking with one of our editors um, the other day yeah. about TikTok. And this kind of gets into captions, which we'll get into more later. But he was pitching this thinking of you don't want your captions to go too far out of the norm because when people are on TikTok, you know, it's pretty mindless for the most part. And you'll go through and you'll go through five videos where all of the captions are the same style. Then once yours pops up and it's totally different, it's like you're snapping this, snapping them out of this like phase that they've been in and they quickly realize, oh, this is different. Like, I don't want to watch this and they'll move on. So I think there definitely is something to be said with that and paid advertising too, when you're trying to, for lack of a better word, sneak something into somebody's feed without them noticing like that's the way to do it. It looks like it could be something that a friend shared. Yeah. And it shifts our mindset around like our scroll stoppers. Like I think we, before to us, a scroll stopper was something that took them out mm-hmm. of that mindless scrolling. But now you, you, we still want the scroll stoppers. We want to grab their attention, but you have to do it in a more subtle way that still blends into their feed. So it's definitely got a little more challenging and you kind of have to dig in a little farther into how to do that like how do you capture attention without that's a great question their, rachel why don't you answer well. that <laughs> it's really, it's really. <laughs> a lot of it is just like visual disruption so someone hmm. like jumping into the frame kind of like boomerang style like anything that you see that is still native something you would still see but it still captures that attention so before we might use like big bold text or bright colors or something jarring like that. Now it's just like when someone's face is right in your screen and they have an excited face or like a, a thing pops up that calls you out, like something that's, Hey, pet parents. And that's the top thing that says, I'm like, Oh, maybe this is talking to me. Like, what does this have to say? Parents uh, is talking to things you. Like that. <laughs> that scrolls. Everything's, yeah, yeah. That scrolls everything's pretty interesting. I was watching, I was on YouTube or TikTok last night and I got fed a TikTok of this guy who combines like his favorite <laughs> music with nursery nursery rhymes. See, so he's got this wheel he spins, and it's pretty interesting. 
so I, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit where I clicked on his name and started going through his videos. And the further back you go, at some point, he used mm-hmm. to have a graphic that would say what he was going to do. But he clearly dropped it at some point. And if I had seen that with the graphic, I probably would have scrolled past it because I don't have time to read. I'm on TikTok. Yeah. Right? But the, the, this whole like visual, interesting wheel and the idea of combining these two <laughs> things that are relevant to my life, like music I like, music mm-hmm. my kids like. I thought it was pretty interesting how he shifted at some point to drop that scroll-stopping graphic. Do you remember? Was like, there like the a noticeable like part. difference I, in the number of plays? Or anything i didn't pay attention i think it's a little hard on stuff like that where they he does have something really interesting that does get a lot of plays mm-hmm. and people start to go through where it starts to jack up the play count but i think that's pretty tantamount to this conversation is like how do you be interesting in the first three to five seconds i think whether that's for social like organic social or ads it's you have to grab their interest in something that they want to hear more about. And I think that's the thing that has never changed since I've been doing this seven, eight years ago is the hook. Like your hook is always going to be the thing that matters the most. It's just how do we show that has changed? And finding your hook has, again, been something that we've developed over time of like how to kind of get into that mindset to figure out like what your audience needs in that moment, but that's ultimately what is going to capture their attention is to speak to them at the time and place that they're at in a way that they will resonate with. It just has gone from like bright, bold text to maybe more like a facial expression. The thing you always have to remember is that all of these platforms, like social media is an escape from real social interaction, like going out and meeting somebody and talking to them. Obviously, YouTube, even TikTok, like there are intent-based things where if I get on YouTube, I'm probably getting on to search for a specific video or how to do something. So there, there is a place where it's very specific. But for the most part, I would argue the majority of social media is just mindless scrolling. So you do have to keep that in mind whenever you're creating anything. I know what we've done a lot with our organic social, especially if it's something with Ralph, our CEO here at Tier 11, we just throw the problem out right off the bat. Hey, are you struggling with this? Hey, has your business had this issue? Because like you do really, whether it's a scroll stopper or not, you have to get straight to the point because people don't have time to sit there and wait for a minute for it to finally get into the meat of what you're talking about. They need to get hooked right off the bat. And Rachel, you said something earlier, which I think is a really good metric to know if you have a good ad. And that is, you were talking about going through and watching mm. something and halfway being halfway through before realizing it was an ad. Mm-hmm. I think if you can do that with your ad creative where it feels so native that people have to get halfway through before they realize it's an ad for something. That's a pretty successful ad because you've generated interest enough for people to stick around for a while and learn. So that's a lot of time that you have yeah. with that prospect to really educate them. Yeah. And I think that's why those kind of quick jump cut edits have worked so well. And so We've, that can even be something as I've seen it where they flip the screen so your face goes from one side to the other. Something as simple as that just breaks it up. And I think that kind of like psychologically plays into feeling like you're still scrolling, like you're getting a little bit of a visual difference versus if you just had, if it was just me talking to the screen for 20 seconds versus if it was like me over here and then me with a different background and then a B-roll shot, it helps that person keep engaged because the visual keeps changing. So I think that has 
been the reason why is it keeps that attention while having your ADD brain be pleased. So I guess we could just hit on captions a little bit. Daniel, you started to go down that road of what Shintaro was telling us his perspective was. Yeah, it's, expand captions on that a little are bit? an interesting conversation because I don't really have any, I don't know, full on succinct thoughts on captions that we could discuss other than, I mean, we, we've had for years here at Tier 11, like that argument of are captions necessary on every ad and should they be branded or should you rely on like Facebook or YouTube to auto generate them? But obviously you get into short form content like TikTok, YouTube shorts, reels. If you, anybody who's scrolling on those captions regularly, the majority of videos have captions. So that's just something we've been exploring, but yeah, captions are a funny thing. I think they bring out the perfectionist in me, which is a good and a bad thing. But then I also have this inner debate of, is this worth it to be a perfectionist with this? And that's something we were talking with Shintaro about in Slack just yesterday even was like, I he sent something over and I was like, yeah, here are my revisions. And it's all like periods and commas and capitalization and all this stuff. <laughs> and he pushed back a little, which I appreciate because I need that to break me out of that mindset of, hey, Alex Hermosi, if you look at his videos, which I think a lot of people probably know who he is, but if you don't, you can go see he's very well known and has his own little style of captioning things. It's all caps, no punctuation. That way there's like, I don't know, there's no, when it comes to revisions, there's nothing to revise other than spelling, which is nice, but it's all like bold lettering, all caps, black stroke around the letters. And uh, there's some key colors that he highlights words with yellow. If you just want it to stand out red, if the word is negative green, if it's positive or has to do with finances. So Shintaro pushed back. He's what if we did this? Let's do it. Get me out of this thinking of it with punctuation and all this detail stuff that I'm not sure even makes a difference in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, captions are an interesting conversation. I think we've been trained by working on the client side, like, captions would be one of the biggest time sucks for creative for us because they'd always come back and it'd be like the caption or the punctuation wasn't like grammatically perfect so we'd have to change it and it's like Mm -hmm. how that's really changed over the years because even now if i scrolling through and i see captions that are misspelled or completely out of left field it doesn't bother me as a consumer and it's funny how that's changed over time. Yeah. Daniel, I think you have no, a pretty was, good example. I was going to say, though, I'm up. the exact opposite. If I see captions and I'm like, there shouldn't be a comma there. Like, I get frustrated with the video and I'm immediately yeah. out. I'm not going to finish it or I'm going to judge it the entire rest of the video and then rewatch it. So they're getting engagement out of me. I'll say that. But I'll rewatch it and then pick out every other detail that I see that's not right. But that's just me. I don't think I'm OCD, but I might be. I'm not going to be the one to diagnose myself. (laughs) No, but yeah, we had a funny... So I've been using CapCut a lot, which if you have not used that and you're doing any sort of video editing, especially for like organic social, CapCut's awesome. Uh, I believe TikTok actually owns it, I think. So yeah, so there's a lot of activity there, which is great, but it has an auto-caption feature, which of all the tools I've tried using for auto captions, CapCut seems to be the most consistently correct. So I've just been using that for captions, but I was editing a video and getting captions for a video from Ralph, our CEO, the other day. And he said something like, 
we here at tier 11, blah, blah, blah. And auto captions being brilliant and amazing and never wrong, <laughs> captioned it as we here at Terror Lemon. So we officially have a new name. <laughs> I pitched it to Ralph. I was like, hey, we got to change our name because <laughs> auto captions doesn't understand tier 11. Thinks we're called Terror Lemon. So we should probably just roll with that. And uh, Yeah. So new branding coming up for Terror Lemon, I guess. We'll use AI for that. Nice. We could definitely name our company band. Absolutely. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Terror Lemon by Terror Lemon. <laughs> but I think ha- how you treat captions is really important to your creative. Because I, I know it, they become a meme. Like you talk about Alex Hermosi. Anytime I see that style of caption, I know it's like hustle culture TikTok. Because they all just copy Alex Hermosi and everybody copies each other. And if I see that same, I even, can't even think what the font is, but it's the big, bold, slightly italicized with little emojis and graphics that go along with it. I just know it's going to be like biz op and just hustle culture stuff. But if I see like really native stuff, like it doesn't take me out of, or it doesn't put me in any sort of mindset going into that video. So be, really be careful with how you treat your captions. And I know we as creatives really like to make things perfect mm-hmm. and on brand. And we were going down that route with our captions, whereas, oh, we got the tier 11 colors. We're so smart and clever. And then Shintara <laughs> comes and he's like, look, you're taking people out of the flow here. Yeah. You should just go basic and stick to what people not see in their the feed. You know, it's made a difference. Too. It's not a huge difference, but if you're adding captions to yeah. a minute long TikTok video and you're doing all this custom coloring and highlighting of words as they're being said, like that's detailed work. It might not be hard and like really in the weeds, but it's detailed work that what's really time consuming. Yeah. Cool. Any other thoughts on captions? No. We do have a, we do have a question from Anthony. No. And he has a good one. He says, all right, (laughs) here's the AI question. We all know is coming. How much are we using AI images video, if at all, in our SOPs and procedures for ads? I'm personally not using AI as far as like images and videos. Pretty much the only AI we've really been using. I do use chat GPT, just as like everyone else in the whole world I feel is right now. (laughs) But I pretty much use it just to get over like the blank page syndrome. So if I just want inspiration, just initially get some ideas for say like headlines on images or things like that. I'll just use it just to get those creative juices flowing. And Recently, we actually used one called Eleven Labs that does voiceover. So we put our script into the software and it gave us an AI voiceover, which turned out a lot better than I thought. I thought it was going to be kind of like creepy and robotic, but it was actually pretty interesting. But I've been avoiding the AI images and videos. I've been doing a lot on my own because it's very fun, but I've been avoiding it in ads just due to like copyright fear. Uh, but that's, that's been me. So you're basically mid journey. Give me yeah. images of really cute puppies put, in different places. Put my houses. dog's face yeah. on a Renaissance <laughs> painting, stuff like that. Yeah. All of my fever dreams I've turned into <laughs> mid journey, but in the same way, rarely use doing? anything for images and videos. Same reasoning. Obviously like I focus more on organic social than paid advertising, but that is one of my biggest concerns too. When I think about using images, or videos, mainly images, is where is it pulling from? Is there ever going to be a potential issue with copyright or anything like that? So 
I rarely lean into that. Plus, personally, I'm cheap. I don't want to pay for a subscription to any of these. So I'm the guy who's what other emails do I have so I could get a free trial with that email. And I just I play around with it. But as any good creative will tell you, I use chat GPT all the time now. For me personally, I use it to help with writing like video descriptions. So like a YouTube description, mainly because if I just finish a long edit, like my brain, I know what it's about, but my brain isn't going to process as fast. So usually I'll throw it into Descript or something, throw the video in, get a transcription and then drop that into chat GPT and just, Hey, I need a YouTube description, use this transcript. And that's like my starting point. And I can work on other stuff while that's happening in like the 30 seconds it takes. But aside from that, I've also used it to generate like headline and hook ideas. I think that's the nice thing is when you're in like a, not a creative slump, but you hit a wall and you're just kind of like, man, I can't think of anything else here. Like maybe there's something I haven't explored. Chat GPT is a good like bouncing board, throw something at it. And like you, you could even specify, I need 10 hooks based off this. And you, know, you could do that with a transcript for a video too, is, Hey, pull this out. The other thing I like paying attention to that I never use, but it's always fun to see what it does is if you do a transcription and say, I need a description on this over on the left-hand side, it actually gives your little prompt a title. And those are always fun to look at too. Nice. Oh, Anthony, I got you. I, got, <laughs> I have a couple of AI tricks. Of course you do. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. So going on back to the basic description that Daniel was talking about, this is something that I saw from Charlie the Disruptor. Basically, what he does, and what's worked pretty well for us, is he'll take a YouTube video, and you, if you have the OpenAI Playground, you can upload a video there, and it'll transcribe it. You take that transcription and go to ChatGPT and ask it to write 10 headlines for you. And this is you can do that for both organic social and for ads. So if you want to write ad headlines, you tell ad headlines and ad copy to go along with that video. So that's kind of like a basic workflow for taking videos that you already have and creating ad copy and descriptions for, and then starting to get into a little bit more like out there stuff. So we've been pretty successful with some personal injury lawyers and we're leaning into that with our marketing. And one of the things I've been really doing is taking a lot of our research and using ChatGPT as kind of my writing partner, research partner, finding a few different like marketing frameworks, customer journey, and then working back and forth with ChatGPT to fill out all those different squares. And then also using it to help like, def define our personas and our ICPs around that product. But the thing that I'm most proud of with that is I've taken a lot of like that persona and I asked it to write a prompt that I could put into MidJourney to create a visual for that persona. We have all this random information about a persona, drop it into ChatGPT and say, hey, write a prompt. And it comes up with these interesting, here's what the TV lead lawyer would look like. And here's what the marketing manager at a law firm would look like. And it really helped us visualize those personas. Uh, what else have we been doing? You put them next to the, the our actual customers. And it's like, oh, they feel like they're at the same party. And then something else we've been messing around with is called Autopod. It's a plugin for Premiere. And basically what it'll do is it'll take like, multiple cameras. And if you are a video editor, one of the biggest pains is editing back and forth between the different people on multiple video tracks. And this autopod will based off, it takes the video track based off the audio track and it cuts back and forth between all of them for you. And that probably saves, I don't know, half the editing time. And you can really get, a, get into 
the actual content after that without having to worry about cutting back and forth between all these cameras. Yeah, I was telling Rachel about that before we jumped on here. And like, it's almost in real time too. It takes a little bit to render the files, like when once you click start or whatever. But you literally can watch your timeline get edited once the rendering's done, and it's kind of trippy, but it's pretty amazing. Like, like we were playing with that yesterday. It's a really cool tool. Yeah. What else? Oh, then I've been using it to help me write code. So one of the things I find is. In ChatGPT, it has a memory of 4,000 tokens, which is uh, like 12,000 12, words or so. Or is it the other way around? 12,000 characters. And basically, I've been trying to write a little extension to help me keep track of how long my conversation is before it starts to get amnesia, which I'm, yeah. Trying to outsmart It's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's the one who's the teaching the robots how to take over the world. Un- unknowingly yeah, yeah. <laughs> training your your bot <laughs> yeah no i asked it at one point it's like is this gonna help you take over the world and enslave humanity no Thanks it definitely will not do that no everything is fine tom <laughs> yeah i think stuff like chat gpt is like really pretty essential for i think too for strategy, us though. being remote like we yeah. don't have the benefit of popping into somebody's office easily or working in the same like cubicle area, for instance, with a creative team. So it really is a good sounding board when you're working remotely because maybe you're working weird hours or something too. Like maybe you work best at night, so your team isn't even on or something like that. It's nice. It's like your coworker that's right next to you at the desk next to you. So it's nice having that in a remote environment, even if it is going to yeah. take over the world. Yeah, that is how I've been. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is how I've been looking at it has just been like an assistant. So if I have a really lengthy, like I know what I want to say, but I want to narrow it down to just a few words for text on an image. I'll just say, what are, what's a simplified way to say this? And so I'll just put in my sentence and then it'll pop out some things and just things like that. It's definitely good for brainstorming with ChatGPT. That's kind of how I've been utilizing it the most. I think this is an interesting conversation, especially with like how many different tools are popping up all the time. It's hard to know what's good and what's not and where to put your effort. And I know this is a conversation we generally have about new tools. And mm-hmm. I think we always default back to the tools we know. Why is it so hard for creatives to learn new tools? I don't know. Because it is. That's Yeah, I think it's stubbornness. <laughs> I don't think it's... Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of not being able to learn it. I think it's literally just stubbornness of not wanting to. (laughs) So as much as I'll tell myself like, oh, I don't like using Canva, I would be lying to myself if I said that I've even really tried. And I think that's really just pure stubbornness and just what I know. So I'm just full into Photoshop, Illustrator. It's really hard to get me out of that mindset. But then I see other designers thrive with it. So I, as much as I like want to be like them, and I'm like, you also need to try. <laughs> so I think it's stubbornness and what you said, just not really knowing what to put your efforts into. At the and end I, of the day, I think, I think it's for just me, preference. my my default mindset is always I know how to get this done. So even if it is like a less efficient way, in the grand scheme of things, I would probably argue that I'm more efficient more effective in the way that I'm going to do it than if I had to find my way around whatever this more efficient way is. 
it's kind of one of those things where like when you're in like the thick of it and you're like, I've got to get 10 ads out, like these images are due or whatever it may be. Or I'm mid edit. I'm probably not going to bother trying to learn a new way to do something unless my way has just hit like a complete halt. But I think there is something to be said. I've been like getting back into fishing now that spring's rolling through and all that. And I just got a new fishing reel. So I got a bait caster. It's my first bait caster reel, which is one that you have to control a lot with your thumb. And it's really annoying me because it's so much different and requires so much more like patience. And it's a huge learning curve. And I'm constantly getting my fishing line tangled in the reel. But I know for a fact that there's going to be more that I can do and like different techniques I can use once I master this stupid thing that is like the bane of my existence when I go fish now. But there's a realization there, I think, in all of us. And Rachel, you'd probably agree that we know there are better ways in a lot of cases, but we're probably not going to learn it in the moment. But we know we should in a different moment. But then by the time we're like, all right, let's do this. They're like a hundred other new tools that have just trumped the one we were like, oh, we'll learn it. Finally, I'm giving in. (laughs) I don't know. I think there's just this element of, I know I can get it done the way I do it. And it's probably going to be faster than if I were to learn it this way. But then once I learned something, I'm like, holy crap, what was I doing? This is so cool. I think this is a thing for creatives in general, but we don't want to be beginners again. Yeah. Especially, I know yeah. Simon on our team is like a Canva ninja. It can do yeah. stuff in there yeah. that I couldn't do in like After Effects. And it's, it seems like such a big gap to bridge to try to get yeah. there. And maybe it's a little interesting. bit intimidating. We talked about how sure. I think every marketer has probably had a thought similar to this of, is AI going to take over marketing jobs or something? But I think the reality of it is like, there are going to be more marketing jobs that revolve specifically around the ability to use AI effectively. And it, it's interesting too, because like Simone's a great example. Like some of the stuff, like you said, that she's done in Canva, I'm like, wait, that can do that? Like how? Explain yourself. And I think there is a, a time and a place for these people, excuse me, who are just like, like you said, ninjas in a specific tool that like, oh my gosh, you're going to be able to do a lot of stuff that a lot of people can't do a very different time frame than the people who can do it. And I don't know. I think there's always this opportunity for specific roles that are going to pop up for people who have very specific skill sets. That's like a movie line, isn't it? I have a very specific skill set. Yeah, yeah. It sounds it's like Liam, uh, Liam Neeson. Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> Marketer. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we were hiring Simon and like, she was all about Canva and I was like, I don't know if that's going to be a good fit for us, but she mm-hmm. was excellent at creative strategy. So I we w- went with it and, and I thought we'd supplement with like more hands-on tools, like specific people, but she doesn't even need that now because she mm-hmm. has like both those skill sets and they're, they complement each other well. And she's fast and good. And yeah, I, but I think mm-hmm. if you're creative, you have to be learning new tools and it's, this isn't a new thing. If you go like, there were people like real to real to real video editors that refused to move to nonlinear and they lost jobs because that's everything moved towards software based editing. And you have to always be adapting and learning and getting over that feeling of being a beginner again, <laughs> even if it is slower. Rachel, you're like the one who's in the game right now. Like, how are you thinking about creative strategy now and how are you approaching it? 
Yeah, so that's been a big focus right now. And some of it is applying things that we've already done. So everything from competitor research to avatar research, things like that, we've already been doing that. Now we're just looking at it through a different lens as far as breaking down when you're on an account we've been really focusing on these pillars of what are these pillars that make this brand or company or product what is the driving factors that the audience would want and that this this brand offers and through to find that you have to do this super in-depth research and a lot of it has to do with reviews like just the countless reviews that i've read and i think the most interesting things have been and that we've heard this from i think it was zach the copywriter who used to be here of the most interesting reviews are like three and four star reviews because they liked it enough but just not quite there and those are the most interesting ones to read and like a lot of just psychology we've talked about that goes into it as far as in the strategy process and just breaking that down into how your audience is thinking and all of that. So yeah, the creative strategy side has been very, very fun. It's kind of blending my two favorite passions of creative thinking and psychology. It's been very fascinating. What are some of the key like psychology things that you're looking for in reviews and how does that tell you what to do on the creative side? So I think some of it is just like these little things that are when I'm trying to look at a pillar, I am looking at more of the things that people are liking. So I'll just look at what are the emotional things that want that someone bought that? Like, how do they feel after just really looking into the emotional side of it versus just, Hey, I bought this and there was a promo (laughs) really like, how do they feel after? Why did they get this? Like their desire to end state. Reddit is a great place to look because people (laughs) do not hold back on Reddit. (laughs) If they don't like something, they will absolutely tell you on Reddit. Uh, I think like a good example was a recent account that is a pet account. A lot of their four-star reviews, this company for a while was sending with every package, a dog biscuit in the package. And it was just one little dog biscuit. And for some reason along the way, they didn't do that. And there were countless four-star reviews saying, I really love this company. Like my dog loves it, all this, but they don't like, they forgot my biscuit. They don't have the biscuit anymore. And it's just, it was super fascinating to think that something so little made such a big difference. And interesting. So it's that type of stuff that I'm looking for. Yeah. Be, it was super, like if super I was a, for instance, I don't know if it's a subscription service but if it was that would throw me off and it's like my wife and i have talked about this Mm -hmm. stuff like that we call it the free champagne like when you walk into a fancy store and they hand you a glass of champagne that's how we view those sorts of things like these little extra perks huh you shop differently than me no we go in for free champagne we shop shop. differently than me we get free drinks (laughs) (laughs) but no like that would throw me off if I was expecting a little dog biscuit, obviously, mm-hmm. I don't know if my dog's like, yay, package is here. I get my dog treat. Great. But I think that would throw me off for sure. So it's interesting yeah. that would knock 20% yeah. off, essentially, if you're thinking of a five-star review and percentages. You just went from acing it to a B. Yeah. And it had actually... 
Yeah. And it had nothing to do with the actual company. So it's just interesting that sometimes the things that you think that your audience is looking for, it's like, it's maybe not what you would think. So diving into that mindset and really, I always feel like I'm a little spy <laughs> in the back whenever I'm doing creative strategy. because I'm just like infiltrating from the back. <laughs> but it's not in a negative way. I think advertising always gets a bad reputation that it's like trying to manipulate people to do something. But really, good advertising should be speaking to you where you're at. And that's maybe why it sometimes feels persuasive and manipulative is because you're like, why are you, you're talking to me exactly how I want to be talked to, but it's really not in like a bad intention. It's trying to meet you where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I was reminded of an old Eugene Schwartz quote is that you cannot create demand in somebody. Right. So there's no, I can't make you want something. I can make you desire it through mm-hmm. advertising, but there's something inherent already in you that wants this. And we're just talking about that. Leaning into this I, this specific example, what was your creative strategy around like how to overcome these four-star reviews? So definitely talking to the brand and telling <laughs> them like bring business back. <laughs> just, yeah. Campaign idea right there. Bring business back. <laughs> just kind of like sharing how important that really is. But I think just focusing on little things like that, little things that you can make your audience feel special or just something that you can make unique about your brand that might not even be something that is like groundbreaking. You're going to have to invest a lot of money in just something that is going to make you memorable. Yeah. Just thinking about that lens of what can you do? Just that, that bow on top that you can give. (laughs) Yeah. I just think like through the levels of awareness and kind of our camp model, that's really tail end. (laughs) of the customer journey there of like people who've bought and you want to re-engage like it's like very specific small audience but maybe it is worth like specific creator that goes directly to them like giant text ads for bring the biscuits back i would even go so far as like getting the ceo to shoot a video talking about maybe a little tongue-in-cheek about how we took the biscuits away to increase profit margins but we hear you. And if you could really yeah. in a lot of like dad jokes in there tie, or tying in like dog talk, that could be a pretty funny thing to re-engage people. Yeah. I think of the ASPCA commercials with the really sad dogs who are like looking into gives, their packages with McCall. no biscuit. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you do that. I don't think Rachel could handle looking at a bunch of sad dogs. I'll pitch it. No, Just like it would heart. break their hearts to not get their free dog biscuit. <laughs> do it for the dogs. Yeah. There's your second hashtag. <laughs> yeah, look at all these hashtags. That's amazing. Are you using, I always want to go back to AI, are you using AI much in the like development of the pillars and or even going through lots of reviews and like condensing them down and asking it to pull out emotional language? Yeah, so I I definitely use it just again as like a baseline just to get off of the blank page. So I if I'm looking for emotional pillars, I will look into what would be some emotional driven factors why someone would be interested in a personal injury lawyer. And then it'll give me a bunch of things and it'll give me a baseline of some different keywords to look for. And then as well, if I have a bunch of different bunch of different reviews, I'll pop them all in there in baskets to pull out like some trends or things like that. I also have used some of those like word clouds. So I'll put in different things and then different reviews and then it'll make the words that come across more often bigger. And so then I can see my overwhelming themes of how people are feeling and things like that. So 
yeah, I've been using it here and there, mainly just for some brainstorming. I think that combination of having the real data plus the AI is pretty essential because <laughs> we all know ChatGPT can hallucinate a little bit. And yeah. It might sound good when it says that if you have the real data to compare it against, then you know if you're onto something good or ChatGPT has <laughs> been used in LSD or not. Yeah. Are there any tools that specific tools that you're using? So you said Word Cloud, ChatGPT, going to Reddit. Yeah. What else? So I use SEMrush. So that's a good one to find competitors. So you just put in your URL for your account and then it'll come up with different organic and paid competitors. And then Big Spy has also been a huge competitor tool. It's also good for just inspiration as well. So you can type in either a specific like brand or you can just type in some keywords and you can actually view by like how many impressions it had and things like that. Like very useful to actually see not only does this ad look good, but it I can see how much impressions it got and how long it was ran and things like that. So Big Spy has been definitely a big one to use. Answer the public is a good one. So you can put in some keywords. So for the pet company putting in, you can put in a couple keywords. So I can put like flea and tick. And then it'll come up with all these different questions that people might be asking. So it'll be, when is flea and tick season and all that? And it gives me a baseline of what the audience is already looking for. And then I could then turn around and be like, flea and tick season is starting this month. So I can answer their questions that they're asking in an ad. (laughs) So again, it's kind of that like diving into psychology, seeing what they want and answering their questions. So now you know the psychology like why they might be doing something. How do you turn that into like design? So that's when we really follow the trends. So that's when I've been looking into, like I said, like effortlessly just doing tons of scrolling myself on what's been working now. That's just like, you you know how you want to say it, then you go into how do I depict that? And that's how we've been using a lot of the UGC content and things like that. That seems to be where things are going right now is this influencer space and kind of video ads for a while there. It was images that was working a lot. Now it's shifting back to video. And then as far as like getting into the nitty gritty, we've been looking at editing from a modular standpoint. So in order to test, we've been doing things where we break it up into the hook, the body and the CTA. And we'll just isolate one of those during our tests we'll test a bunch of different hooks and see if one stands out. And then from there, iterate and all of that. Yeah, it's just following trends and patterns. And then there is just an element of just being a creative thing, seeing what works. <laughs> once you know that the messaging is, yeah, once you know that the messaging is sound, that's when you can just have some fun with it and just kind of test out the different styles. Right. UGC is something that creative. we really haven't even touched on yet. We're already almost to an hour, so I don't know how deep we want to get into this. We may just need to do an, another episode on that altogether. But UGC, I think going back to our conversation around ads looking native in a feed, I think that's why we've seen such a, a big like presence and push for UGC content is because I think it finally clicked with people that you can use these influencers or whatever you want to call them, content creators, to develop these ads that look like they are their friends in their feed. You know, there are some who go overboard and they're really professionally done. I'm not saying that's overboard. It has a time and place. (laughs) But yeah, 
That's like there, there are people who can go really high end production. Like I know Tom, we've shared videos back and forth of people doing like product shoots just in their house, and the creativity that comes with that is almost mind blowing when you see the final product. But then there are people who genuinely can just shoot like a review video for you, and that's the kind of stuff that I think you see more and more of in your feeds. So yeah, UGC, like I said, that's a whole giant conversation we should probably do an episode on because it's such a big area of advertising now, not just like for businesses to utilize UGC, but also that's such a massive market for content creators now. We saw like Vine and all this, and then you walked into this like era of influencers and it was like these mega influencers. And now we're seeing this era of like micro influencers. And that's where UGC is coming into play if the title shifted to content creators. And yeah, so I I think UGC is such an interesting subject and something we could dive really deep into. But I don't know, Rachel, across all of the accounts you work on, how often are you using UGC? I would say like over half for sure. In one of my accounts, that's pretty much primarily what we're using right now. So it's definitely a big talking point. And if any of our accounts accounts aren't using it, we are yeah. basically pushing them as to why and when are we going to because there has not been a space or niche that I've seen that could not utilize it in some way. And it, I think it's going to be interesting because right now it is very native, but I am seeing a kind of shift towards the more high production. And so I almost wonder if maybe even six months, a year from now, we'll be talking that we kind of are getting into this high production level video again, and it'll kind of make full circle. (laughs) Um, Because it did start with it just kind of blended in, but now that's becoming a little less genuine because I think everyone knows now it's okay. This person was paid to say what they're saying, but everyone's okay with that. (laughs) There's still that level of being genuine, even though we know that they were paid to to say this. I'll be interested to see if it shifts more towards more of a professional look versus the organic. Yeah. That that would be my yeah, Anthony Compton made a great point. That. I think we'd all agree with here that UGC is great for remarketing. You think through if you're familiar with the levels of traffic, that level two and three, where somebody's already seen an ad, they've already seen your brand, whatever it may be, then introducing this as something that's retargeting them. For sure, UGC is killer in those levels. Yeah. Gets past the yeah. don't tell me what you do, show me what you do. And yeah. building that trust from somebody, ideally, who's like really authentic and talking about the effects your yeah. product or service has had for them. But it is interesting to like always have the changing trends. I think that's one of the fun and challenging things of what we do is like how trends change from hardcore native and people... I know it's not get wise to it. I think that people we're talking about getting trained a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Where we get trained to captions a certain way. So we start to react to them differently. We get trained to video a certain way. So we start to react to them and our brains are pretty effective at like identifying a lot of this stuff. And it's always kind of our job to be setting the trends and like where things are going and always making sure that we are interesting to the people who see our creative talking a little bit about the future. Like what are some of your guys's predictions? for creative in the coming, I don't know, however many months you want to predict out. Uh, Like I said, I do think that UGC will basically be something that we're seeing like everywhere as we already are. And I see the shift changing. We had that period of time where images seemed to be 
performing better. I think we're shifting back into where video and animation is going to be taking over again. But yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I do feel like it might shift back towards more of the high production versus the organic. I feel like people might all of a sudden be wanting more out of the content creators. They want just video yeah, better. <laughs> I, I'll probably counter, quasi counter Rachel. I think UGC, you will continue <laughs> to see it grow. I don't think there's ever not going to be a place for that sort of content. But just based on like my own perspective here, I think it's quickly becoming oversaturated with people who decide to be content creators. And I think it's great. I think there's a huge market for it. But what I think you're going to see, to Rachel's point, which is why I'm quasi-countering, is there is going to become a demand for better quality and higher production because there are going to be so many people that can hit this, I don't know, if you were to rate it like a 30% to 70% area of quality. I think people are going to start looking for that 70 to 100% now. So you're going to start to see this boost in quality of UGC, and you might start to see less and less of this like native looks like it could be your friend who just shot this on their iPhone real quick with a ring light UGC. But I don't know. I, I don't think that's really a prediction as much as just my own personal senile old self, stubborn and not wanting to use new tools, creative brain. I also see like the kind of infotainment, like humor I've seen used a lot more in ads. I don't know if that's just like the shift in audience as like the kind of Gen Z is getting more into the buying category. But I've seen a lot of ads recently in my feed that are utilizing like humor and that not, it's not really educational. It's just, it's just trying to get like buzz and attention. And like you had mentioned the captions earlier of having errors in them. I've actually seen if there's like an error in a caption, that's like funny or it like seems like it's a joke, but it's like, I've seen people in the comments being like, Oh, this caption right here said this and it's generating attention and engagement. So Sometimes it can be in your benefit. Yeah. As long as I think the second part of my, my prediction is that images are going to come back into play. I think along with that, I think it's going to be so oversaturated with UGC because there are so many people leaning into content creation now that images might find their way back in because feeds are going to start to get, as far as ads go, feeds are going to start to get oversaturated with video. I could be wrong. But that's just my hunch from a guy who doesn't work in paid advertising anymore on a regular basis. Yeah. That's the fun thing about predictions is we're We're all going to be wrong. Running it anyway. It doesn't matter. Anthony has a prediction. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's bring it to Anthony. My two cents. AI, AI will accelerate the amount of creative testing, but the quality of AI creative and the trust that AI creative is real, not AI driven will, like Rachel said, bring the cycle back to more production-based creative. I'm going <laughs> to say that Anthony stole mine because <laughs> that's where I was going to go. And I don't actually know which direction I was going to pick because I think AI will be pretty foundational in mm-hmm. like the development of like scripts and talking points and really working with UGC. But I think there's going to be this phase where marketers always looking for the quick solution are going to use things like is it like synesthesia where they have these avatars that will basically act out your stuff i think yeah. there's a lot of that and i think it's going to 
die out pretty quickly and really allow the good UGC and content creators to stand out as real humans. Now, it's always this challenge to make sure that they seem authentic. But yeah, I don't know. AI is going to be, it's going to fill up a lot yeah. of feeds with just a lot of junk. And yeah. so <laughs> I'm stealing Anthony's. <laughs> my... All right. Well, we're uh, slightly past an hour. I think we can do, an, like you mentioned, Daniel, a whole other episode yeah. on UGC. So we'll have to do that and get maybe a few more of the crew on. Anything else to hit on before we head out? Rachel, Daniel? No. All right. Well, if you enjoy uh, (laughs) random conversations about creative or anything related to customer acquisition, be sure to like and follow our channel. We do these every Friday and we have tons of other content with even more coming. Um, And if you are interested in working with Tier 11, head over to tier11.com and there's a big old pink button where you can click to apply to talk to our sales team and see if we're a good fit. Otherwise, thank you, Rachel and Dan, for joining us, and I'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Customer Acquisition Show. Take the next step toward growing your customer base. Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes. You know why most agencies fail in the first 30 days? Well, they don't do the work beforehand. And they realize once they start managing ad accounts and doing all the things that work alongside businesses like yours in order to get you the results that you want, they waste a whole lot of time in the first 30, 60, 90 days and they're fumbling around in the dark. That's because they have not used what we do over at Tier 11, what we refer to as the strategic growth plan. Now, a strategic growth plan is a deep dive into what has gone on inside your ad accounts and your business with all the important financial metrics that you need in order to scale and grow. We analyze all that, come up with a plan that's 30, 60, 90 days out, and then we use that as our game plan once we start actively managing ads, once we start doing our creative research, once we start doing all our after-the-click extensive tracking on dev, but the plan is the key. And if you have an agency that is failing you right now, it's probably because they don't have a plan. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So get your strategic growth plan over at tier11.com. Hit the big pink button, fill out the application, and we'll be in touch with you how we can help you scale and grow your business through getting more customers and increasing their lifetime value. That's all we do at Tier 11. Head on over to tier11.com. Get your growth plan today.